good morning and welcome to Yonville Community Church Online. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here as always. Uh, what a pleasure to have you with us uh, as we draw near to God, uh, to worship Him, to hear from His Word, to pray together. Uh, so if you're uh, joining us today for the first time or if you're one of our regulars, uh, we would love to know that you've been with us. Uh, and so fill in one of our Connect cards. You can uh, find the links there on our website. You can scroll down and just fill in your details on the page. We'd love to know uh, what God is doing in your life, uh, how he's encouraging you, how you're being encouraged through his word. Uh, it was wonderful this week uh, to hear all kinds of stories from um, members of our church uh, as they told me what they're doing to draw near to God this year. Uh, people who are starting Bible reading plans, somebody who's doing a Bible in three years, uh, other people who've signed up to devotionals, uh, other pe people who've made commitments uh, to read a psalm in the morning. It was so encouraging to me uh, to see the way that you have chosen to draw near. Uh, so keep those coming. Uh, we'd love to be able to share more stories and uh, sign up for our e-newsletter because uh, we'll share a few more of those in the newsletter. Uh, this Tuesday night, uh, we have another way to draw near to God, and that is in our monthly prayer and communion meeting. Uh, due to COVID, we'll be on Zoom, uh, but it's a wonderful chance to uh, meet together online, uh, to encourage one another, uh, to pray together, and to lift up uh, our nation and our church and our gospel mission here in the Napa Valley uh, to God and to entrust all of our plans to Him. Uh, so we hope to see you online this Tuesday night, 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Uh, all the details are on our e-news, uh, so sign up to that if you haven't already. Uh, we're uh, very thankful to those of you uh, who support the gospel mission here in the Napa Valley and beyond uh, with your prayers and by financial support. And so please consider how you can uh, join the mission uh, financially. Um, and there's a button on our website, the Give tab, uh, that will give you all of the details of how to partner with us. Uh, or, of course, you can send your checks through to the church office. Well, uh, without further ado, why don't we sit back and uh, prepare our hearts to hear God's word as we open uh, the next little part of Hebrews chapter 10 together. I don't know if you're the kind of person who holds on to things. Uh, if you ask my wife, she would say, I'm the kind of person who holds on to things. Uh, when we moved from Australia to the United States a bit over a year ago, uh, we had to decide which of our possessions we'd bring with us and uh, what we'd get rid of. Uh, so what we'd hold on to and what we'd let go. Some things are really easy to let go of. Uh, furniture that was just too large to bring with us uh, and household items with no physical or sentimental value. But some things were much more difficult to let go of. Uh, items that brought back memories of the kids' childhood. Our collection of books. Camping gear that reminded us of family adventures. A thousand little knickknacks that are souvenirs of our journey through this life. What do you hold on to? Well, as we open our Bible passage today, the, the writer wants us to hold on to the most important possession that we have. Uh, the hope that we have in Jesus. Uh, that's what we're thinking about this morning. Uh, so why don't we pray now that God would lead us into that firm hope. Uh, Father, as we open your word today, will you speak to us? Uh, will you draw us near? Will you remind us of what is most important in this life? 
And will you help us to hold unswervingly to Jesus in every circumstance? Uh, be with us now as we study your word and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so just a reminder, this is week two of our 21 days of focus, uh, our series called Draw Near. And the aim of this series is to help us begin the year with our focus in the right place, uh, to have our gaze firmly fixed on drawing near to God in 2021. Our key text for the series is Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. And that's where we're going right now to hear the writer's second exhortation to us. Uh, so this is where we started last week, but listen towards the end. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So where we started last week in verses 19 to 22, the writer to the Hebrews encouraged us to draw near to God because of what Jesus accomplished at the cross. Jesus' death opened the way for us to enter into the very presence of God with confidence and assurance that our sin and guilt is dealt with by Jesus' sacrificial death on our behalf. And that's probably the executive summary of last week's sermon, but it's also the executive summary of the Christian message. The heart of the gospel is the call to come back to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Come and have your sins washed away. Come and know forgiveness. Come and be restored to relationship with God the way that we were created to be. That certain hope of salvation through Jesus, well, that is the central message of the Bible. But it seems like that message is hard to hold on to as we travel along the journey of life. And so that's why the writer's second exhortation to Christians in our passage is to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Verse 23, to, to hold on without wavering, as some other Bible translations put it. And it's not the first time that the writer to the Hebrews has warned his audience of the need to hold tightly to their faith. Back in chapter 3, verse 6, uh, the writer says, We are Christ's house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. And then in 3.14, we've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And 6.18, God did this so that we would take hold of the hope set before us. See, the writer warns us again and again to hold tight to the hope that we have in Jesus. So what could cause us to waver in our faith? What would cause us to veer off course? I grew up around boats uh, at different times. We had dinghies and, and motorboats and ski boats and little sailing boats and windsurfers and then later on bigger yachts. Uh, there was a lake house in our family and uh, all of our summer vacations revolved around the water. But I remember the first vacation that our whole family took on the, the first big yacht that my parents owned. I'm one of four kids. I'm, I'm the second eldest. I was probably 11 or 12 at the time and all six of us were staying on this sailing boat. For the very first time, we, we pulled up in a lovely little bay about a mile or so from the river mouth. Uh, we threw the anchor out 
Uh, we had dinner and we went to bed. But sometime in the middle of the night, I was woken up by my dad running up on the deck and, and shouting into the darkness. Apparently, he dropped the anchor onto the sandy bottom and the tide had changed and dragged the boat and the anchor and all of us out towards the rocky entrance to the open sea. Well, fortunately, uh, my father woke up in time and uh, we were rescued and we sought shelter further down the river on a fixed mooring. But you know, as we go through life, all kinds of tides will pull us in one direction and another. All kinds of forces will push against us at times, all kinds of influences and ideas and social changes will gather momentum. And the danger is that we get dragged along with them. Now, sometimes those ideas crash against what we know is right and wrong, and it's easier to recognize the danger. But other times they catch us sleeping. And we don't know the danger we're in until we're close to the rocks, and sometimes we don't recognize it until it's too late. Well, when the writer to the Hebrews says, hold unswervingly to the hope you profess, he's telling us that there will be forces that will want to make us waver in our faith, waves that threaten to push us off course and winds that will buffet. Satan wants nothing more than to make us swerve from the course of following Jesus, to push us to shipwreck our faith. And that's how the Apostle Paul described two Christian leaders who got caught up in false teaching, Hymenaeus and Alexander, uh, in the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, these two had devoted themselves to endless speculations and myths and genealogies and teachings that led to meaningless talk rather than leading people to faith in Jesus. There's a distinct danger as Christians that we might let go of the hope that we have in Jesus and make our faith about something else, like Hymenaeus and Alexander did. That we make the gospel about something other than faith in Jesus Christ, but the Bible tells us that is the path to shipwreck. And Paul warns the Ephesian church about the same thing. He warns them of the danger of being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, Ephesians 4.14. See, the church has always been in danger from false teaching, from those who'd use half-truths and, and biblical ideas and they take them out of context and they lead godly brothers and sisters away from the truth. Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. But the antidote, says Paul in Ephesians 4.13, and the antidote is for the church to become mature. Uh, he says that's why Christ himself gave the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers to equip his people and to build them up in faith and knowledge until they reach maturity. So they won't end up like infants being tossed around by every wave of false teaching. It's a paraphrase of Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. And really that's the reason why I'm encouraging us as a church to draw near to God through his word in 2021. So that as we read it and soak in it and meditate on it, that God would use his word to grow us in maturity, to protect us from false teaching. That's why for most of the year we work our way through books of the Bible week by week so that we hear God speak to us on His terms, so that we follow His agenda, so that we might learn from Him together. Because when we grow together, we strengthen one another. 
even as we strengthen our own faith. There, there, there is no I in church. Uh, we need one another. Uh, but that's next week's sermon, so come back and hear that one. Hebrews 10.23 reminds us to hold tight to the one thing that is ab- absolutely central to Christianity, and that is the hope that we have in Jesus. Uh, back in Hebrews 6, the writer describes our hope in Jesus like an anchor for the soul. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. See, when you throw your anchor over the side of your boat, the anchor holds your boat steady, uh, unless you make a mistake like we did. But the anchor holds you firm against every storm. Uh, It holds you steady in the changing tides. It resists the pulls and pushes that are part of the ebb and flow of everyday life. The anchor keeps you where you need to be. And did you notice where our anchor is, according to the writer to the Hebrews? Well, our anchor is inside the inner sanctuary. It's inside the most holy place of the temple. Our anchor sits behind the curtain that was torn open when Jesus died. And our anchor keeps us bound to the presence of God, lashed onto him, held firmly to the kingdom and the promises that are ours in Jesus Christ. And that's the hope that we profess, the promise of entering into God's presence through Jesus Christ. That is our only grounds for hope in this life and the next. And so the encouragement of this passage is is to make sure that your anchor is firmly in the right place, anchored in Jesus. Because you see, if you throw your anchor, throw the anchor of your hope onto politics, or, or if you throw the anchor of your hope onto being a good person or being a moral person or a spiritual person, if you throw the anchor of your hope anywhere other than Jesus, your anchor will not hold on the last day. So where is the anchor of your soul? Where is your anchor resting? What, what are you tied to? What holds you firm in the storms of life? Well, one of the challenges of sailing is the unpredictability of the weather. As much as possible, we would always check the weather reports before going out, especially for longer trips or if we're going out to sea and not just staying in the harbour. But a lot of times the changing weather is part of the fun of sailing. Uh, When the wind blows harder, uh, you can sail faster until it blows so hard that you get into danger. Uh, I was in a race with a friend of mine uh, in a very little sailboat on Sydney Harbour when a squall hit us. Uh, This squall was so strong that it flattened every boat in the race, capsized all of us. Our boat was capsized and this wind was so strong that we couldn't get the boat up again without being knocked over. And within minutes, the wind pushed our upturned boat halfway across the harbour and almost pushed us onto the rocks. Uh, My friend and I were both in the water holding onto the boat and I had to get myself physically between the rocks and the boat to hold us off until the squall died down. Can you imagine God was as changeable as the wind? Smooth sailing one minute and then pushing us towards the rocks the next. Is that what God is like? Is that how we explain our experience of the world? Are we just waiting for the next storm of God's anger to hit us and test us to see if we can hold on long enough? Is that what God is like? Is he fickle and unpredictable and vindictive? 
Well, some people have that impression of God, especially when things don't go their way, when life is not smooth sailing. But that isn't the God that we meet in the pages of the Bible. Instead, we meet a God who holds unswervingly to his plan. And he holds unswervingly to his plan to save the people that he's lovingly created. Our God is unwavering in that purpose. And the whole of the Bible is the story of God's faithfulness to that plan. And so back in Hebrews 6, right before the anchor part, the writer reminds us of the story of Abraham from the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Uh, We'll be following that story uh, of Abraham a bit later in the year when we continue uh, on in Genesis 12 to 24. But here in Hebrews 6, the writer reminds us of the story of Abraham. Uh, God had promised Abraham that he would become the father of a great nation, but Abraham and his wife were unable to have children. Uh, Abraham himself was 75 years old when God made the promise, and his wife was 65 years old. And they waited another 25 years from the initial promise before God finally gave Abraham and Sarah a child of their own. God took what was impossible and he made it possible. God kept his promise even when it didn't make sense to Abraham and Sarah. God kept his promise even when it didn't fit in with their timing, even when they had to wait years and years and years for God to keep his promise. He still did. God kept his promise. And the story of Abraham and Sarah, it's just one of many stories like that in the Bible, stories of God's faithfulness to keep his promises. In Hebrews 6, 17, the writer tells us that God made his promise to Abraham with an oath because, verse 17, God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. See, God wants to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to us uh, because we're inheritors of what he's promised. God had a plan of salvation through Christ and that plan is unchanging. Uh, It has not changed for the last 2,000 years, probably even before that. It will not change. God won't change the rules of what we need to do to be saved. He won't put extra conditions on some people. He won't bend the rules for others. God's purpose is unchanging. His plan is unchanging. His nature is unchanging. We can have confidence in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can have confidence in our hope. We can have confidence in the anchor that holds us firm to God's love because it will never change. As Paul put it in Romans 8, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus because God is faithful to his promises. He will do what he has said he will do. And we see the proof of that at the cross. Jesus faced the greatest storm imaginable as he prepared to bear the wrath of God that would take his life, a punishment that you and I deserve, but that Jesus took in our place. And even as Jesus faced that storm, he held firm to God's promises, the promises that are found in the scriptures from beginning to end. Jesus knew them and he trusted them and he trusted that the storm would not end in his death but instead with the way opened to eternal life for all who put their trust in him. For he who promised is faithful. And God's faithfulness was proven three days later when Jesus rose to new life. And brothers and sisters, one day you and I will also see the proof 
of God's faithfulness, when we rise to new life on the last day, if we have our lives anchored to Christ. God wants to make the unchanging nature of his purpose to us very clear. He wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to come home to him. And that will never change, no matter what we've done. We're always welcome to come back to him because of what Jesus has done. So this year, will you cast your anchor onto Jesus? Will you put your firm hope in Jesus alone? Will you hold unswervingly to the, to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful? Will you pray with me? God of all mercy, we praise you for your sovereignty over all nations, over rulers and governments and all peoples. The world is in your hand and nothing takes you by surprise. Uh, please comfort us by that truth, uh, the truth that you've set your king on Zion. You've placed the government on his shoulders. He rules with justice and righteousness. In that knowledge, Father, we bring before you our troubled nation. We ask again for your mercy in the midst of the COVID crisis. Please give wisdom to those in authority as they manage the hospitalization loads, our vaccination schedules and the wider consequences of the pandemic. Our Lord, we ask for your mercy to bring an end to this health crisis. We also pray for our nation as we look ahead to the inauguration of a new president this week. We pray for the president and for the president-elect. Grant them wisdom as they lead our nation, integrity in all of their ways, and an extra measure of grace and humility in a time such as this. We continue to pray for our church. We thank you for the reconstruction of our historic Yon Street Chapel. We ask that the building work would continue smoothly and in good time. Uh, we pray for the elders, pray for all in leadership, and for each of us who belong to Yonville Community Church, will you encourage us as we draw near to you? Will you keep us encouraged in a time of physical distance? And will you give us hope and perseverance in every circumstance? Our Father, we thank you for Jesus and for the gift of salvation that we have in him. Help us to treasure that gift above all else and to anchor our hopes to Christ alone. We pray all of these things in his saving name. Amen. Well, hasn't it been a good morning at Yonville Community Church as we've thought about where we anchor our lives, where we anchor our hope, where we place our firm confidence and trust. Pray for you that your trust is in Jesus this week. If you have more questions about how to do that, please let me know via the email dan at yonvillechurch.org or visit us and make contact through our website. But for now, we pray that you'll be encouraged. We'll see you on Tuesday night at prayer meeting. And until we see you again, goodbye and God bless.